You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room MCU Retrospective Series, an 18-month look back into the MCU leading into a weekend of release review of Avengers Infinity War. I'm on your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm back. It's Sanjay. And this month we're discussing Thor, starring Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, Tom Hiddleston, Rene Russo, Idris Elba, Stellan Skarsgård with Anthony Hopkins and Clark Gregg, directed by Kenneth Barana. Well, that's a mouthful. It was <laughs> yeah. a mouthful. I, I got to say, I'm reading it here, and it's difficult to say, and I, I know I screwed up a couple of those names, but that's all right. <laughs> They're all Asgardian names anyway. So. Especially Stellan Skarsgård. That yeah, sounds that was impressive. Yes. You yeah, right. nailed that one. Pretty cosmic. It sounds like something from Ikea. Like a couch or something? Like, I'll have the uh, Skarsgård, please. <laughs> he's He's definitely Norwegian or... Oh, for sure. Scandinavian, at least. And he's in a movie about a Norse god. How appropriate. (laughs) Yes, we're back at the MCU retrospective table here, guys. And I'm excited to talk about Thor. This is something that is incredibly different than the other movies that we have reviewed. You haven't checked those out yet. Go back and check out Iron Man 2, Iron Man, and The Incredible Hulk. But we're stepping into a very different part of the MCU. When you look at it relative to what we've got now, it seems fairly grounded, fairly normal with Guardians and Doctor Strange, (laughs) Ant-Man, everything that's coming out now. This seems like a logical step. But at the time when this was coming out in 2011, and it was originally slated to come out in 2010, this was a very different movie for Marvel. And people were really worried about this. Like if you remember back... In 66, we had a cartoon. In the late 80s, we had that that weird appearance of Thor in the Incredible Hulk <laughs> Returns movie. Yeah. yeah. But when you look at, at Thor himself, it didn't really fit into the Iron Man Incredible Hulk world. Even the Incredible Hulk seemed somewhat grounded. Yes. Yeah. And we've been talking about movies in an era and a time where the Dark Knight was coming out, Iron Man, everything needed to be grounded and gritty. This is what people wanted. And now we're stepping into the mythical world of Asgard and the Norse mythology of Thor, Loki, Odin, the Bifrost. All of these abstract thoughts and concepts that had to be put onto screen and also make sense and fit within a cohesive universe. The big thing with the MCU is that they didn't have the ability to kind of spin off and do whatever they wanted. They had to fit this into something that made sense. Because at this point, we're driving full head on into Avengers. They had to be able to put Thor on screen with Iron Man, Hulk, and Captain America and make it believable. And that was a massive task and a massive feat that a lot of people didn't really think was going to work. But let's step back from that a little bit. And what do you guys remember about Thor? This is something that I always like to discuss before (laughs) we get into the movie because it it sets us into this mind frame of what we were then compared to what we are now. Do you remember seeing Thor in theaters? I know you had a good run, Troy, of seeing these MCU movies as they came out. Is this one that you did see in theaters? I did see it in theaters. I didn't see it opening night. But I did remember. I do remember seeing this in theaters. You yeah. call yourself a fan? You didn't even see it opening night. <laughs> yeah, not not for Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Give me back your Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Yeah, Mjolnir. Sanjay, did you see this opening weekend, or is this something that, like me, 
you really didn't get there until Captain America Avengers. Like, I know Captain America came out just a few months later, yeah. but Thor being, a, like I said, a different movie, was this something that intrigued you enough to get in, in theaters the opening weekend? <laughs> uh, I'd like to say yes, but unfortunately, no. Um, I actually didn't see this until maybe a week before Avengers. Yeah. Like, Avengers was coming out, and I was like, okay, well, I got to see Thor, and I got to see Captain America First Avenger, so... Um, I picked the movies up at Blockbuster, I think was still around at the time. I'd like to say it was. Yeah, yeah, Might have been, definitely, yeah. Yeah, it was probably on, on its last, last legs, yeah. 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 They're like, just take it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I rented that, and I rented Captain America, and I watched them uh, that weekend, and then I saw Avengers the next weekend. So I literally only watched this movie in order to watch Avengers. Yeah. And, and I, I think th- a lot of people are the same. Yeah, yeah I think a lot of that happened with fans with people that were coming into this that this big event style movie was happening and we need to understand the established characters coming into this because i fall a little bit outside of that this is 2011 was kind of my time to get back into comics and into comic book movies and it was more with captain america but thor had just come out not too long before that in may and this is something i revisited on blu-ray did not see this in theaters because and when I think back to all this, and I know I've said this on the previous retrospective episodes, is that this is sucks up so much of my life now, and I concentrate <laughs> so hard on this. Yeah. But I don't remember this right. until really the Avengers, this whole universe. Wow. Cool. Yeah. And yeah. so going back and revisiting these, like I've seen these movies tens of times, and it's I feel like they've always been there. But because now we go to every opening weekend, or try to at least, and when I look back and I think to myself, I didn't see this until it was on Blu-ray, which yeah. blows my mind. Right. I didn't go to the theaters to see these movies. Wow. So I never had that that theater experience with Thor, with Iron Man 2, Incredible Hulk, none I'm, of these I'm movies. watching those after credit scenes with, with the audience there yeah, in theaters. Yeah. yeah. So it, was, it wasn't until Captain America. I remember seeing Captain America. That was the first MCU movie I saw in theaters. And I was blown away by it. And you see the after credit scene that does have the Avengers trailer in that, that has Thor in it. And I thought to myself, Man, yeah. I, I have to go see these movies. <laughs> nice. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. So it it struck me as 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 strange that these weren't as big of movies. And kind of looking back in hindsight, it, it's interesting to see how far the MCU's come as far as the opening weekends and how hype people are and how all of these characters have become household names. Because yeah. back then they were nothing. No, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Would you be interested if say like um cineplex or something when avengers 3 infinity war comes out if they did something where they're like okay we're gonna reshow for an entire week every mcu film from the past oh, i would be <clears throat> you'd go to all of them oh de- not, maybe not all of them but the ones but, you missed or yeah i'd probably go back at least phase one yeah um, because a lot of these i've seen in theaters it depends on cost right yeah. yeah like if they're charging you know your 20 bucks a head per movie yeah. probably not no but some of these i would definitely go back and revisit and it's the ones that i didn't see in theaters that i didn't get to experience with fans i think right. like a thor i would probably go back and see captain america first Avenger. Yeah. yeah definitely and some of those are the favorites like winter soldier yeah, guardians i'd probably go back and revisit some of these yeah. i know a couple of years ago they did a 24 hour ish marathon yeah. leading yeah. into ultron, maybe age of ultron yeah. yeah yeah and so i know people are going like that's that's a bit much for me but <laughs> yeah. this idea of spraying it out over two three weeks would be pretty cool yeah, yeah i think theaters should do that they should do more of that yeah. Uh, Troy, is there any, I don't know, we'll get to this later if you've missed any MCU films, but would you want to go back and watch any back in theaters that you've seen already? Um, for the MCU stuff? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, hands down. Probably, oh, I guess we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later, but um, 
there's there's a few I'd mention yeah? for sure. Okay, <laughs> that okay. I, go, I can see. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Iron Man, obviously, for sure. Oh yeah. Hands down, the Winter Soldier. Every every Cap. I mean, Cap to me is still the best. Uh, trilogy yeah. in the mcu definitely. so i definitely can't wait go to back. review that cat movie next yeah, time. yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah we'll see <laughs> we're definitely gonna get there we'll get there definitely. Yeah. but before we get into captain america we got we got some thor to get through here yes and this is a movie that, that spent quite a bit of time in development it had some early iterations that sam raimi was looking at in the early 90s Interesting. the rights were bouncing all over to different studios sony had picked them up in 2004 Goyer, your boy Goyer, Sanjay. Yeah, David S. Yeah, he was attached to write a script at one point. Guillermo del Toro was supposed to direct. Cool. Matthew Vaughn was wow. attached to this at one point. Oh. And this was, was rattling around different studios. And, and as part of Marvel's real attempt to grab back their characters from studios, this ended up landing back at Marvel Studios in 2006. So not too long before it actually hit theaters. And they eventually landed on Kenneth Branagh to direct this. And it's an interesting director choice because, you know, when you look at the story of Thor, and I, I, it really just struck me this time that it's basically the sword and stone. It's a really Arthurian yeah. type story. Yeah. And looking at Kenneth Branagh, who has the experience with the Shakespeare, Hamlet, he played King, or not King Arthur, um, what's his name? Uh, Macbeth, the, okay. uh, Henry V is what I was looking for. Oh, um, yes, so he, Henry he's done, yes. <laughs> he's done a lot of these Shakespearean type movies, not only directed, but also acted. So at the time, when you look at this character, the story they put forth, it kind of makes sense. Because when you look at the other directors that were originally attached, like Matthew Vaughn would have been really oh, cool. Oh, I wish. Would have been something I different. I wish that yeah. happened. Guillermo del Toro oh. would have been yeah. neat. As yeah. Far, maybe could have developed this into something a little darker. A little yeah. more fantasy elements. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, as we get into this, that's what we'll see is maybe this does lack a bit more of that, that abstract fantasy element to it. Because Asgard is the key to all of this. Yeah. And when we're off of Asgard in this movie, it suffers. And I think this is for the whole Thor franchise. As we go look at the movie a little more, it'd be interesting to think about how other directors could have put this to screen. And Kenneth Branagh, I think he did a good job here, but there's a lot that some of these other directors could have had because when you look at Thor itself, it's the only franchise I believe that hasn't had a director return. Interesting. Oh, okay. And they actually lost the director, Patty Jenkins, from yep. the second one. Yeah, so they've gone through a lot of developmental issues with this franchise mm -hmm. and i think it it's difficult to translate on the screen as well as to kind of integrate it into the wider mcu it's not just a standalone universe that you can build around i think integrating it now into the guardians something they can relate to i think that that's going to benefit it but when you look at how this bounced around how many directors it had how many writers it had you can see how hard it was to actually bring this to screen you can appreciate now i hope when they come out with Ragnarok, that they found this formula, they found kind of the foundation for Thor, yes. that they could actually plow forward with something that is a bit more cohesive and actually fits in the MCU, but also can actually do its own thing. So yeah, just jumping in there, I would definitely say that, you know, you got the big franchises in the MCU, like Iron Man, Cap, Guardians, Thor. Thor, for me, has always been like the weak link. Like they don't have, hopefully, as you said, Ragnarok is that Winter Soldier, but they yep. don't have that. Like Iron Man, Iron Man has Iron Man 1, yeah. fantastic film cap has winter soldier civil war um and then thor you know doesn't like, have anything doesn't have anything yeah. i mean no. they had like i don't know we'll get into the first one but yeah it just doesn't have that like iconic film that like you can put on a shelf and you know you could stand behind and be like this is a movie like this is a film you know the thor movies are 
they're definitely like they seem like they're like a step below in terms of that, that, that little brother yeah yeah right? that's trying to find his way and yeah. i mean they got like i love chris hemsworth as thor well the the, the actors that are in this oh, as yeah. from anthony hopkins idris elba hemsworth like they're Tom all Hiddleston. great yeah they're yeah. all fantastic yeah. so it's just has nothing to do with and, the acting uh, what's her name jane foster natalie portman natalie portman won an oscar yeah and not for this movie no. <laughs> but it, it's it's true when you say that they're they're it's they're definitely the weakest link in the mcu even when you relate it to the new franchises that are coming out doc strange ant-man they they found their own kind of niche there yeah. mm-hmm. and thor still struggled even into thor 2 yep. to find its way and i think that has a lot to do with the inconsistency in in writing directing as well as what people think thor should be right. should he be this arthurian type character this almost shakespearean feel yes. to it yeah. or should it be as we saw in, in dark world a game of thrones style of movie right. yeah. or should it be something that's a bit more cosmic and out there like we're seeing with thor ragnarok right. so you're getting <laughs> yeah. three different types of movie three different interpretations yeah. plus the avengers too yes they had exactly. their own little spin in these little shorts yeah at which i think they really found their their thor when these, these shorts we've seen since um civil war oh yeah. Right? Well, yeah where was thor yeah where was thor they really found the character through those yeah, yeah. so it, it's a lot of the inconsistencies i think in this character and i think with this movie the foundation that they were able to set i think it was fairly solid mm. I think it just lacked in other things and it lacked in having the continuity going forward into Thor of the Dark World and then eventually into Ragnarok. Right. Whereas when they found their footing with Iron Man right away, they knew what they were doing. It did have some stumbling along the way. Captain America, after Winter Soldier, I think even after the first Avenger, mm-hmm. they really had an established character and they yep. knew how to, what direction to take it. And then you get to Thor and it's, it's kind of stumbles around here. And we're going to get into that in a lot more depth here. But first, before we get into any more talk about the film here, I just want to talk quickly about the comic books. Do you guys read any Thor comic <laughs> books currently? Uh, well, I just finished The Unworthy Thor. Yes. Yes, which is awesome. Amazing. Awesome. And um, the God of Thunder run that went back it's with really uh, Aaron, Aaron, Jason, Aaron. Jason Aaron that yeah. did that. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. and the heroic age when he's doing the Avengers from back then. So that's that's as far as I've gone with Thor. Yeah, yeah and I have to that those are all kind of the same runs that I've mm-hmm. looked at. And even into his part of the Hickman run in oh, Avengers. Of course, he's yeah. awesome in that. So you hear this right now, and this is exactly what I thought was gonna come out of this, is that he has very strong comic books. Yeah. Yeah. Consistently strong. Even through Marvel's kind of waxing and waning through this kind of rough evolution period. <laughs> He has been strong. Even when he's unworthy, Thor, the comic books have been really good. They've been worthy. (laughs) Exactly. So it's interesting that we all have, or the the readers of Thor have really good things to say consistently about the comic books. But my feeling is from the table already is that we acknowledge the fact that Thor is the weaker link. And so it's interesting that you have that disjointing of the comic books and the films. And we're going to kind of maybe dig into that over the next three movies and see where the, the missteps are, where the shortcomings are, and how maybe we'd like to see that evolve into something different in a phase four if they continue with the Thor franchise. Yeah. Thor 4. Yeah, Thor oh. 4. Yeah. <laughs> so Thor himself in the comic books debuted in Journey to Mystery number 83. Wow. And it was a real take from Stanley and Jack Kirby. They evolved this Norse mythology into comic books. They take a lot of cues from that. A lot of with Loki, Thor, Odin, even the stories are very in their in their basic essence, they're the exact same as what we see in the Norse mythology. And a lot of that is translated directly from the comic books into this film, almost kind of word for word in some of it. 
And you look at the characters like Thor and Loki and Jane Foster. These are characters that have been around since the 60s. These are staples of Marvel Comics. And I think that's why it was so appropriate that this Thor movie came out alongside of Iron Man, Hulk, and Captain America. Yep. They're able to put together their core Avengers and also their big pillars of the comic book universe. Even though these were considered kind of B-list characters at the time, when you're looking at them relative to X-Men or Spider-Man, these are now, or these have always been, the core of Marvel Comics. And it's really cool they're able to scratch back and pull back all of these characters into the MCU and build these individual origin stories before getting to the Avengers. I mean, you also mentioned, um, you know, putting all these uh, core members together. We also see the first appearance of Hawkeye. Yep. Which was a uh, big, big uh, founding mem- member of the Avengers. One right. of the, he's One kind of the, the second. Second team. wave that came yeah. in there, yeah. right? Because he's yeah. initially a, a villain for like two seconds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he is kind of in the Avengers movie. Yeah, he did. Kind of, that's interesting. Yeah, we'll get right. to that. that yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's cool that they play yeah. it that way. But yeah. using a movie to cameo a new Avenger yeah. is a really cool way. We saw that with Iron Man 2 and Black Widow. That was more of a supporting yeah. role. This is more of a cameo. Right. But yeah, yeah. They, they're using these movies and leveraging new characters. And that's really cool. I agree with you. Yeah, you can definitely tell who's like the first tier characters. You know, you get your own film and then you know your second tier if you just make an appearance in someone else's film yeah. before you get your team up film. Yeah. We spent a lot of time kind of setting up the timeline for Phase 1 in Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Incredible Hulk. And so we're not going to spend much time there because I feel like we've established that with our previous episodes. But I'll just reiterate here that Thor is happening at the exact same time as Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2. We see that in Fury's Big Week and we see that with kind of the nods and hints and the inclusion of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Coulson in this. We saw that with the end credit sequence in Iron Man 2, which was, again, one of my favorites. It's a scene directly out of this movie. But I like that we've established now that this timeline, this this evolution of these characters is all happening more or less at the same time. I think that's, that's a pretty cool way to kind of set the scene for Avengers going into Captain America. Yeah, I love that. You gotta love those little Easter eggs, right? Especially, you know, if you've been following the movies at the time to see like, hey, that scene's in this scene or this movie. It's it's, it's so cool. Just some good fan service. We're gonna have to get like a fan to do a super cut. So like one continuous movie. So like you have Iron Man 2 <laughs> going on and then Coulson's like, I gotta leave. And then that like cuts away to the Thor the movie. The machete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's that, the machete cut or whatever where you can kind of jump around into different oh, versions. Oh, the order? So, right. Yeah, you pick yeah. up, you, you watch Iron Man 2 up until Coulson leaves then you watch Thor and then you come back. Right? Yeah, and then you watch things. Oh, Someone's crazy. gonna do that. I'm yeah. calling out the fans of the MCU. Some like mega fans gonna have to like make this ultimate cut from like Iron Man 1 until the end of Avengers. Start shopping. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Take you a while. (laughs) All right. So we came off the success of Iron Man and Iron Man 2. And Thor and Captain America were the next movies up in 2011. We had one movie in 2010. And like I said before, this is a big risk compared to Iron Man 2. Like Iron Man itself was a big risk. But coming off an established character in Iron Man 2, we're jumping into new territory here. And this movie was fairly well received for the time. It it didn't do gangbusters at the box office. It made $65 million in its opening weekend, and it came to a total domestic haul of $181 million and a worldwide cum of $450 million. So this puts us at the bottom end of the MCU movies when you compare it to what we're getting now. And even in the Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, these type of movies far exceed this but this is at a time again 2011 when comic book movies weren't what they are today this was enough to establish this as a franchise as well as fully integrate him into the avengers world 
And one thing I, I just wanted to get your opinions on here is, what do you think it would happen if Thor had bombed? If this did no money, this didn't make its budget back, nothing. We already committed, or they had already committed to Avengers. But what happens to this franchise after Avengers if this film bombs? Would we have seen another Thor, or do you think they would have gone a different direction? <laughs> That's a good question. I think it would have been okay. Would have they scrapped it? I don't know. But I mean, really, you would have had Joss Whedon still take on Thor in yeah. Avengers. And he he knocked it out of the park. Like, I, like The moments between Thor and Hulk are some of the best yeah. in that movie. So that would have been good. We probably would have still ended up with um, Tahiki. Is it Tahiki or Tahika? Taika. Taika. Taika, the director. I think we would have still ended up with somebody kind of going that route with the character you could have just skipped Thor too except for the actual story building of the universe you, you got to have that somewhere but um we could have gone a one and done with Thor and been okay and yeah. just had him in the the Avengers films much like like Hulk yeah 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 um yeah I mean the thing with Hulk though I think there's some like Paramount issues with yeah. distributing rates um, it's universal yeah oh universal yeah Sorry, Paramount. <laughs> um, but I think with Thor, I think they would have tried again because Avengers was such a mega hit that I think they would have been like, okay, well, this is piggybacking off the success of the Avengers. Maybe it'll get an Avengers bump and, you know, do better. And then if it didn't uh, the second time around, then I think they would have completely scrapped. You wouldn't be getting Thor Ragnarok. Thor would just be like a... Uh, a Hawkeye Black or Widow. a Black Widow character. That shows up in Avengers. Yeah. Avengers. Maybe yeah. like shows up in other people's movies like Iron Man now. Yeah, I think that's probably the direction they would have went. He, they kind of would have used him as a Hulk. Yeah, exactly. He shows up in team-up movies and you don't really need to establish Asgard. You just need to establish the fact that he comes down every once in a while to help out Earth. Right. Yeah. And But I think they would have really missed out on something here because Asgard is an important piece of the MCU and I think integrating it into the greater cosmos like they're doing in Thor Ragnarok is going to make it an even bigger part of the whole universe itself because i think we're going more in that direction it's more off world more off of earth and i think this film would have benefited from that from taking us off <laughs> earth and doing a, a pure asgard movie and we're going to get into that as we get into the film here all right guys well we've established ourselves here with thor with the comic books with how this was developed i think it's time to get into our full review of this movie this is for me I, I really liked the idea of how this film opened. We opened with three minutes on Earth, and then we go straight to Asgard. We establish ourselves and a our few characters that we do have on Earth. We get a reference point on Earth. While we're on Earth here, we do spend a very brief few minutes trying to scientifically explain some of the more abstract concepts that we're going to get <laughs> in this film. And they try to do this throughout the film. I don't know if this is an attempt to ground it a little bit, but I think it's okay what they do here, this whole science is magic type thing. I like how they establish this kind of right early on. We're going to try to science this up a bit, but we're going to immediately pull you out of that and sling it right into Asgard. And we get something a bit different here. We kind of skip back in Asgard time and they do a lot of exposition here while also showing you these big battles. And from a perspective of the MC movies that we've seen right away that are more confined, condensed stories, this opens up to a massive world right away. This kind of throws this in your face. We get very Lord of the Rings-esque fighting here and we get the establishment of a long history of Asgard and its relationship to Earth and its relationship as far as the Norse mythology. I like how they tied all of this in as these gods and legends and everything's kind of faded to the background as we've modernized through time. And I think it's cool that they, they've pulled that through. And one thing that this, this whole opening sequence does, not only does it establish Odin, it also establishes kind of the cosmic order 
and establishes one of our main villains here in the Frost Giants and kind of explains a bit of what we're going to see later on in the movie. So right off the bat here, we get thrown into the deep end of Asgard. Did you guys find yourselves kind of drowning in all of this exposition in these big fights? Or did you find this kind of more engaging because they're getting right into it? They're not wasting time trying to describe everything that's going on on Earth. They just kind of throw you into Asgard here. Yeah, I like this part a lot. This is actually some of my favorite parts of the movie, you know, when we dive right into Asgard. We get these, yeah, like you said, Lord of the Rings, like big battles going on. You got the Frost Giants. It's very dark, but I guess it helps the CGI budget yeah, a little yeah. bit there. So, um, but yeah, no, I really like this. I, I actually wish they went a step further and kind of continued with like the Loki and uh, Thor story, much like the comic book when it establishes yeah. the relationship as brothers kind of growing up. I wish you got a little bit more of that origin. But um, for the most part, I'm really invested in the film at this point. Yeah, yeah, I would tend to agree. And the one thing I really liked, I mean, I ragged on the previous MCU films for this, but I thought the score was fantastic. I get it yep. right here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, and Thor's coronation. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't tell it like if it was because the, that main score is the main title music for the DVD, the Blu-ray. Yeah, and I don't know if I just have had that on in the background <laughs> over the last couple of weeks, but I really like the score here. Very yeah. well done. Yeah, it it, is. and when I hear that i think of thor now it's not used i don't think in anything else it's really an asgardian score yeah. that the theme mm -hmm. for asgard you get in there it's yeah really well done yeah i mean that's my favorite one of the mcu so far yeah what we've covered so far it's the it's the best score absolutely yeah, yeah. what do you guys think of the look of asgard i know you alluded here to some <laughs> shaky cgi but they really go grand with this like i said before we looked at previous movies that are much smaller in scale and don't require this massive amount of CGI. But they really want to show off Asgard here as this big, giant landscapes with huge stretching towers and buildings. And, and rainbow bridges. Yeah, some yeah. rainbow bridges. <laughs> what are you guys' thoughts on how this kind of came across on screen? Um, yeah, I thought this. I thought the uh, look of Asgard was pretty cool. Um, seeing all the, like the, as you said, like the different buildings. And it looked very mythical to me. The one thing I will kind of like nitpick on was like some of the costumes. Like, I really thought that Hymendale's costume felt like something out of a Power Rangers movie. <laughs> like, everything else, like Thor's costume's amazing. Loki's costume is pretty good. Um, Odin's looks pretty good as well. Um, but yeah, like, Hymendale's, for me, I was just like, ah. That, that one was, like, he looked like the little, like, gold guy from Power Rangers. Goldor. Yeah, Goldor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um... Okay, yeah, so Asgard, you know when I saw it in theaters, I thought this looked great. I thought it looked awesome. Yeah. It hasn't aged very well. No. And for being the god of thunder, the thunder sucks in this movie. <laughs> like, the lightning is... Every time I saw the lightning, like, I'm not even joking, I thought of Mortal Kombat 2 with Raiden. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's, it's extremely bad. Um, the costumes, I don't like the costumes at all in this movie. I really feel like going into part two and going into Avengers, they really get a lock on the costumes. They're so much better because here, yeah, it's it's very Power Rangers like Goldor. It's 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 big, it's heavy. Yeah. Um I, I don't like it. Anthony Hopkins uh, armor works for me. Everybody else doesn't look that good. Really? You didn't yeah. like Thor or his like four Merry Men and Lady Sith? No, I mean well we seen with the helmet for the first time and the last the time, time until yeah. <laughs> until uh, Ragnarok, which is cool. Um Loki's helmet. Loki's helmet always looks ridiculous in the comics as it is. Yeah. I think it looks yeah. good on here. But, but, but you know, I really like what they did now going into Ragnarok with the whole agent, like, agent of Asgard yeah. look. Like, they pulled that off. But it's kind of silly. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these costumes for me. For, it's for, a pretty for... silly concept, I guess, <laughs> if you, like, step back and really, like, think of the film as a whole. You know, you yeah. got, like, these, like, 
gods and like Thor's helmet, like that's iconic, right? Yeah. Like I don't read a lot of Thor, but the one thing I do know is his look with like the wings on like yeah. the side. Yeah. And for them to not put it in, like I don't know, like they can do it. Like you look at what we have now, maybe we take it for granted because like we've come so far. But if you look at Deadpool, like a movie like in 2011, Deadpool, his costume wouldn't look nearly as good as it looks like comic accurate screen tested amazing yeah and 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 you can't give me thor's helmet but it's, it's kind of a tough look to pull off like i said like i think in ragnarok right now they got it like the, the costume looks great the helmet looks really cool yeah but i think this movie just wanted to show you like look we have the helmet but we're we're gonna show off chris hemsworth's goldilocks you it's know we're, dreamy, we're not gonna... so. <laughs> yeah. the one scene with the hammer you see his biceps i was like oh my goodness it's yeah. gotta be at least like 17 18 inches <laughs> Yeah, so they, they, they spent a lot of time trying to translate a lot what you saw in the comics yes. into film. And like with the Rainbow Bridge, yeah. that looked all right. It did actually. That I, actually yeah. worked for me. Though. It was kind of like seen, Mario Kart. Yeah. Have, you yes. ever seen, have you ever seen the Rainbow Bridge in the comic books? It's literally a Rainbow Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. 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 And so it's be glad they didn't put that on screen. <laughs> yeah. But I, I have to, I'll give a little break to the CGI yeah. of the time. Like they tried, I think, here to put something to screen that was a lot grander maybe than they could have. Like yeah. even in Thor of the Dark Worlds, it's a lot of sets. Yeah. You don't see this grand wide-spanning big shots of mm-hmm. Asgard and maybe that's why you yeah. get some of that but I feel like they spent a lot of time in the early part here just panning around Asgard showing you the big waterfalls the mm-hmm. towers and all yeah. this and coming to the costumes here like the, the whole idea of translating this North mythology into the MCU is a difficult task yeah. I agree with you guys that some of it looks goofy here and they call it out in the film yeah right they, yeah. they talk about the renaissance fair and how ridiculous these costumes look and all this and they, they've evolved past this i think like it almost like some of it almost looks like that whole you you've taken shakespearean actors and pulled them out of there and put them into the modern world and asked right. them to walk around like it looks a bit ridiculous and so i think when he's they, they fix the cape it doesn't have like the big shoulders anymore and right. yeah. i agree with you odin yeah. looks great yeah yeah, and the character of Odin himself, like he Fantastic. sees, uh, he gets a lot of introduction here in the early part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins, he absolutely kills it here. Kills it. I love this character. His voiceovers are used in a lot of trailers for Infinity War and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, and his look is great. They kind of give him the origin of why his eyes kind of dropped out. Right, he looks awesome. Which is why I have to credit Chris Hemsworth so much because for him holding his own against Anthony yeah. Hopkins and this has been his, his first big standalone since really uh, Star Trek, which wasn't really his film, but remember he was in Star Trek as uh, the father there, right? So to see him now become Thor and go toe-to-toe with Anthony Hopkins on an acting level is incredible. Like, he, he Chris Hemsworth is great. Most impressive, movie. yeah. Most impressive, yes. Yes, and we get the introduction here too of Odin's vault. This has become kind of one of those Easter egg filled parts of the MCU. And, you know, in here, the Infinity Gauntlet's in here. Yes. You got the Casket of Ancient Winners. There's all sorts of old relics that lie in this vault. Something that fans have gone through slow motion here and looked and picked at everything. And it's cool that they've kind of thrown these Easter eggs. I think they kind of regret a bit throwing the Infinity Gauntlet in there. <laughs> it's confusing now because it's the wrong hand. And <laughs> Anyways, it's really good to establish a lot early on here. Like, I've never really felt overwhelmed by what I'm seeing on screen. I kind of get what they're getting at here. And even with Anthony Hopkins here, I I like the scene with the younger kids. Yes. Because it immediately establishes who each individual character is. These kids are great little actors. I'm sure they're much older now. But (laughs) they, they kind of pit them against each other right away. 
And it's the subtleties of Tom Hiddleston you can see in this kid and that arrogance you see in the kid that's playing Thor. Right. And I like that they use that to set up what we're going to see just the next scene later with his ceremony to become king. Right. And Hemsworth, like you, you've already mentioned, this this guy kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. He, he was pulled from obscurity into this film. But what he does here, I, I think this movie, more so than most of the other Avengers films or Avengers character films, it, it shows a real progression of character. But I feel the actor does a lot of the heavy lifting yeah. there. It's not so much the story or the narrative. It's Hemsworth. And right. you see this with Hiddleston as well. Yeah. Is that the look on... Hemsworth face as he's walking through here, flipping the hammer oh, up yeah. in the air. He's he's eating the up wink. the crowd. Like, yeah. It's all in his portrayal there that I get so much arrogance from Hemsworth here. Like, yeah. what a choice, right? It is a good choice because originally Tom Hiddleston auditioned for this role. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, Daniel Craig was Dan- Yeah, really, right. So yeah. so they did uh they did a good uh, good job picking um Hemsworth here. Yeah, I have to agree. I think he's been a terrific Thor, and I think uh Chris Hemsworth? No, no, no. Sorry, uh, Loki. Uh, Tom, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston has been a terrific Loki. Oh yeah, he's he's brilliant. He's still to this day, I think, the best MCU villain we've we've gone. Yeah. But like you mentioned here with these kids, like like I I said earlier, I wish we got a little bit more of this because I think they do such a good job with these kids, and it kind of goes back to the comics that they established before when they're that age. I'm kind of wishing since this movie is an origin story as it is, just give me a full out origin story and and give me, you know, obviously more of the film as them being older, but I wish we did get a little bit more of them being kids and growing up and going on some of those adventures that Thor kind of mentions with the rest of his um Warriors of Three. <laughs> Warriors three and yeah, 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 yeah. It was a lack of budget, so they're like, We're just gonna tell you about these kind yeah, of like Agents of Shield with that's... like you don't get to see Iron Man or Thor, but they're like there in the TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like, you know, like, oh, we did this crazy adventure. Can we see it? No, you just have to take a word for it. Yeah. <laughs> Trust us. Yeah, it was <laughs> epic. <laughs> but that's interesting that you, you bring that up because as I kind of rewatch this movie once or twice coming into this, this is the only origin story where it's not about the hero getting his powers. Right. The hero is established with his powers. Yeah. And it's about learning about humility and how to help others. And it's about the journey back to who he is or who he should be, should be yeah. rather than the whole origin story about how he became Thor, how he learned to use Mjolnir, right. all these type of things. Would you have preferred? I know you, yeah. you've you already said that, that you yeah. would have preferred a bit more of that. But what if the movie, the first half an hour, 40 minutes, was actually about Thor getting his powers, oh. learning to use Mjolnir, and actually doing a proper origin story? Oh, we'll love it. That's less Earth. That'd be North. Oh yeah, I would, yeah. I would have. I would have uh, loved that to get to see him use the sword for a little bit, and then he gets his hammer. Um, I think that would have been cool, especially playing into Thor three now because he's going to be going through some unworthy stages. I mean, we know that his hammer gets taken out, so it would kind of been cool to see that relationship be established, how he earned that hammer. I think that would have been actually really cool to see. But the budget would have been tough because you would have had to be on Asgard the whole time. Yeah. It would have been pretty tricky. Um, you already have a no-name at the time, like Chris Hemsworth carrying the movie, let alone have, having to share that screen time now with a kid actor playing that lo- uh, that that young Thor. So it would be a little tougher to do. I think now, if this was the MCU, you could have totally gone that route. 
But at the time, I think they made the right decision doing what they did. Do you yeah. think they'll do a prequel? No. No, but you could see flashbacks in Ragnarok. Like you could see, oh, you know, flashbacks here and there because that his hammer is going to be destroyed. So yeah. that's a big part of this movie coming up. So I, I won't be surprised if we see something going back to him and his hammer, especially reading Unworthy Thor, because we get a little cycle of Thor from the '60s to like yeah. the God of Thunder era, and then to uh, the Unworthy. So yeah. Yeah, I. I kind of agree with you there yeah. like i think a little more would have helped but yeah. what we got mm-hmm. i think established this sibling rivalry yes. this jealousy from loki and this pure arrogance from thor right and i don't know if i needed more of that i like that this is a slightly different comic book movie in the sense that we're not worrying about the origin of all of his powers milner all this this right. just kind of throws you into it like this whole movie so far has been about here's the characters here's asgard yeah. here's the mythology Boom, boom, boom. Half an hour in, we've established Asgard. We've established all of our main characters. We get kind of this chemistry and this give and take between Thor and Loki. We understand who Odin is. There's a lot thrown at you there, but I never feel overwhelmed. And I'm kind of like thoroughly engaged. And I think a lot of it has to do with the acting. Yes, big time. Big time, yeah. Yeah. And we spoke a bit about, about Loki here, Tom Hiddleston's Loki. This is a character that I think in hindsight, looking back on this, you see a lot of what he's done here in the early stages. Like when you look at it, it's all emotion with Loki and you look at kind of the early scenes here, he does not say very much, No. but you can read everything on his face. And I don't know if that's because we know his motivations from seeing subsequent movies or if just, just how Tom Hiddleston has been playing him from the beginning. We're benefiting from hindsight here, but at the same time, I see all of that all over his face. And there's a really key moment for both characters, it happens in a back-to-back scene where they go from the characters that we see at the start and they flip into the characters that they are today. Right. I'm going to point that out a little later on, but it all has to do with the acting. Now, we've already established that you guys are, are pure fans of Loki, of Tom Hiddleston here. Oh, absolutely. What do you think of the Warriors 3 and Lady Sif? These are very much supporting characters. They're directly out of the comic books. Did you guys kind of buy them as some of the comic relief, as, as kind of companions of Thor? I believe that they're companions. I believe they, they, they went way back and they've had uh, some epic battles. Yeah, you know, I think they kind of got more screen time than they really needed, especially them showing up on Earth at towards the end of the film or at the end of the film, which just looked, again, more silly going back to the costumes because their costumes mixed with the humans. The yeah. just looks ridiculous. But yeah, I, I it, it's tough. I, I could have done without them for sure. I think they worked a lot better. Actually, they work way better in Thor 2. Mm-hmm. Than they do in this film, mm-hmm. I would say. Lady Sith, Sith is a little, little weird, kind of the, how her character is. She's a lot different, I find, in part two than she is here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did they recast some of these people? Yeah, one the, of them. I can't remember his name. Um, the swordsman guy. Yeah, the blonde guy with the beard. He. Yeah, I think it was just a scheduling conflict. Yeah, because he was actually originally meant to be in this one. The one yeah. from part two was originally meant to be in this oh, one, but due okay. to scheduling, he couldn't make it. But interesting. Yeah. I yeah, I think they did like a pretty good job and uh, Lady Sith, uh Jamie Alexander. Yes. Yeah. That's her name. There's talk of her being Wonder Woman. That's so right. I mean you could totally see it. I mean she kinda gives off that vibe as like a warrior princess. So yep. I mean yeah, I mean some of the stuff was a little too like comedic for me, but like whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they were meant to be the comedic relief in this film. A little bit with yeah. Darcy and yeah, yeah. Oh. The, yeah, Darcy. <laughs> she wasn't bad in this. Film. She wasn't. Yeah, I was gonna say actually, compared to the second one, the she's second toned one, down horrible. a lot. Yeah. Well, this was before she was anything really. The actress herself, yeah. Kat Dennings. Yeah. yeah. But I think the Warriors three benefit the most in this movie when they're fighting alongside Thor. 
in this first big fight on Jotunheim yeah. with the Frost Giants. You see them with their weapons and what they're able to do, kind of how they work with Thor. Because this this is a great battle, but when we get to the end battle sequence, they get their asses kicked in about 10 seconds. Yeah. This year, they actually put up a good fight. Yeah. And that they're having fun while doing it. And I'm really engaged with this fight here because of all five of them. They're having fun while kicking the crap out of some big frost giants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and once you pull them out of that scene, I feel like they're useless for the rest of the movie. You don't really need them. They don't really have much effect on the end fight. And really throughout here, they don't do much. No. Other than kind of run alongside Thor in this first fight. And eat. Yeah. At least one yeah. of them does a whole lot of eating. Yeah, that yeah. that scene was so weird. Yeah, yeah. I think that Lady Sith is is in this franchise. Like, we're, I don't think we're gonna see her much in Ragnarok, but I think she was very misused. Like, I think they could have really used this character, even as I don't want to say like they kind of teased her as a bit of a love interest throughout part two, part two, and yeah. even in this one towards the end, she's kind yeah. of yearning for him a yeah. bit. But I thought that all like even all of these characters, they could have been used a bit better. And I think they would have benefited from staying on Asgard or staying within the realms and using these characters as the supporting actors as opposed to using Jane Foster and Darcy and Eric Zelvi. Like they're okay characters, but I think that this whole Asgard aspect of it, they could have leveraged that a bit more by using these characters more appropriately in the setting that they fit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I don't think we even needed Darcy, actually, to be honest, in this movie. I mean, Chris Hemsworth is funny enough as it is yeah. by himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like some of those lines on Earth were actually hysterical. Yeah. yeah. And one other character that we do get introduced here that becomes a big part or is a big part of the Thor mythos is Heimdall. He's yes. played by Idris Elba, another horribly underused character in this franchise yeah. he's a fantastic actor he's a fantastic character yeah. make him and, green lantern <laughs> <laughs> but he's got a, he's got a lot of cool lines in here and he has some big parts in this movie as far as when he's kind of gets frozen there and he's a gatekeeper here i really like what they did here he's kind of this very stoic character um what did you think of idris elba there in this role Oh, I loved it. Yeah. He seems like a guy you don't want to mess around with. You know, everybody kind of second guesses, like, do I really want to, you know, uh, anger this guy? You know, I, I really liked him in here. Again, I really feel like he's underused, not necessarily just in this movie, but just in this franchise. I feel like he should be so much more. And maybe he will be in uh, Thor 3 because we see him, you know, rocking the uh, Bishop braids from Days of Future Past there. He kind of looks yeah. similar. <laughs> but um, yeah, so maybe he'll be used more in uh, Thor 3. But uh, I like him. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of rumors going around yes. currently that he possibly is the last Infinity Stone. He's right. the Soul Stone. I heard that, yeah. When I revisited this movie and I looked at his his yellow eyes, right. I really got a sense of this. Yes. I don't know if it's on purpose or if they've been kind of pulling this through. I doubt it. That right. They had that much foresight to actually make him the Infinity Stone. But going back and looking at this... That's believable now, even from just this movie. What Infinity Stone is this one? Soul Stone. The Soul Stone. Because there is a line in here that yeah. he can... I don't know if it's in this movie or in The Dark World where he says he can see the souls of many people. I think it might be in this movie. Oh, uh, okay. When he's on the edge of the, the Bifrost there. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so, so maybe. Because I mean, there's also that theory with the letters, right? H yeah. or Hela. Yeah. Which And he, we know Thor or not Thor. Thanos has that connection to death. Yeah. I would like it if it's either or, if it's Hela or Idris. If it's Idris, that's cool because he would probably be some kind of like powerful henchman of some sort. 
I think he's to gonna, Thanos. I think right? he'll die. Fight he'll die for yeah, sure, but he'll I mean, definitely have like some cool fight sequence then for yeah. sure. Like we're definitely gonna see this guy kick some ass. Yeah. He'll probably bite it. And him showing up but, in Infinity War, would yeah, be pretty oh, cool. Yeah, definitely. seeing him fight Thanos. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. As Thanos is trying to rip an Infinity Stone out of his gut. Oh yeah, <laughs> out of his chest, <laughs> <laughs> out of his eyes. <laughs> and as we look at this first fight sequence, um, I know we spoke about it a bit there, but this is the first time we get to see Mjolnir in action. They spend quite a bit of time in this movie showing off this hammer. I, you know what? I, I kind of like what they did here. I liked how they showed how he spun it to fly. Yes. How it's just this really cool and unique weapon. Like right. It's something that we haven't seen before. That when he pulls it back to himself and uses it to kick the shit out of some of these <laughs> yeah. frost giants. It's awesome. Yeah. Really cool scenes here. It's like a companion, almost like uh, Doctor Strange's um, yeah. cape. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, I, I love that hammer. It's, it's I mean, I wish I had one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's cool. Yeah, they, they, they really capture that between the two of them. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I love what they did there. And one other big reveal that we get during this first fight sequence on Jodenheim is that Loki really isn't what he appears to be. He is a frost giant. And this is directly out of Norse mythology and the comic book. Oh, okay, really? Cool. When I first saw this, I thought this is before I had an established basis or understanding of Thor. Yeah. I thought this was all just for the movie, just mm-hmm. as a plot oh, point. Okay. But this is actually directly out of Loki's origins. Interesting. Yeah, see, I knew with the comps, I just had no idea, because I don't know anything about Norse mythology, so I had no idea that's actually <laughs> from... Nor- yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, and in the comic books, it's a bit more, um, it's not so much of... Odin taking him because he felt sorry. It's yeah. he's actually banished or forced or cursed by his father Bor, mm-hmm. who we see in in Dark World, uh, because he refused to help him or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And anyways, he is is kind of cursed until he takes the son of an enemy or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this leads us to taking Laufey's son in the comic books and oh. raising him as his own. Hmm. And that's kind of all kind of strung through here. And that's one thing that I think this movie does really well is it takes a lot of the cues from the comic books and translates them into this movie right. and right down to the Loki's origins. Cause like I said, the first time I saw this, I had, I thought definitely a plot point. Like right. this has nothing to do with oh, comic yeah. books <laughs> directly. <to> the comics. <laughs> Interesting. They haven't really gone back on that though. Hey, like we've never really seen anything with uh, his heritage. No, not at all. The films, like really. they've kind yeah. of forgotten about that. Yeah, like I think that they stuck to the comic books because that was kind of something that was established. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we never return to that ever again. No, like, it's never even referenced. No, like, no. hey, you're a frost giant. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, makes it even weirder that he wanted to kill kill off all frost giants at the end. Yeah, and that's that's kind of all his whole plan here. And as as we go through this movie, it's slowly revealed that he wants the throne of Asgard. Mm-hmm. And there's little references here and there. And like again, it's hard to revisit these things because you already know his plan, so you can right. see things going along. Yeah. But not having that understanding, it'd be interesting, kind of going back to your original mindset and seeing if this plan of Loki's, you know, is it is it expertly executed the way it seems to be, or is it something that's a bit more kind of hidden behind the, the closed doors and that, and you didn't really get this until the end reveal because Loki's played as somewhat of a sympathetic character through the first part of the movie. Yeah. They make you feel sorry for him yeah. because he isn't the firstborn son, because he doesn't have the powers or the muscles or anything like that. Right. And you really see Loki kind of use that to his advantage and manipulate Thor through this whole movie. But at the same time, I am telling you, through this whole movie, I felt sorry for Loki at the start. Oh, yeah, Sam was right there for the most part. And I walked out of this movie, I remember coming out theories being like, he was the best thing I've seen uh, for a villain. You know, I, this was after Dark Knight, 
right? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So I remember being like, this guy's like the next best thing since Heath Ledger. He's yeah. he killed it in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you said, he's a sympathetic villain, and they actually took the time to, you know, build up their villain as yeah. opposed to just having like a one note character. And I think uh, this is probably one of the best examples you could get. Like he's not perfect, but he's one of the best, as you said, one of the best villains since uh, Heath Ledger. And yeah. He's got to be in that conversation top five of all time comic book villains. Yeah, it's because yep. they took the time to build this character. And it wasn't like the whole movie was dependent on him. Yeah. Right? Like they had the Destroyer, they had the Frost Giants, and you also had Loki in the background. So they had some time to develop this character alongside Thor as well as independently from Thor. Because at some point here, we break off into two different settings where you have kind of Loki's story being told and Thor's story being told more or less in parallel. And it's kind of cool that they've done that because this is the first MCU movie that is an origin story for both the villain and the hero. Mm -hmm. We don't kill off our main villain at the end of this. Or, well, they kind of do, but they don't. (laughs) They do that a lot in this movie. I mean, there's three people, Thor, Odin, and Loki, and they all have fake death scenes in this movie. Yeah. But as we come to a conclusion of this first fight sequence, we do see Odin rescuing them on his mighty steed here. And if you weren't aware of what was going on in this movie, Odin spells it out for you in this next scene. When they come back in the Bifrost, he calls Thor a vain, greedy, and cruel boy. He says he's arrogant and his stupidity has cost or brought threat of war to Asgard. So he's screaming this at Thor. If you didn't get that from Hemsworth acting, you get it now. Yeah. Yeah. And this is when we move into the unworthy part of Thor's story. And I really have always liked the line that he whispers to the hammer as he's banishing Thor. Mm. It's whoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the powers of Thor. Well, maybe now she as well. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. (laughs) But I I really like how they did this. And, And Anthony Hopkins in the scene absolutely kills it. He sells this. He does such a great job throughout this whole movie um, with his acting. It's it's incredible. I really do like this scene actually, and how he kind of you know he tears apart his armor and he's all like, "This is my father, and this is his forefather," and he just breaks it down completely, and banishes Thor. Right? Yeah. I, I love that part. The lightning wasn't so great, but everything else was was fantastic. Yeah, in this it's, scene. A, it's yeah. a powerful scene. It is. Yeah, and Anthony Hopkins is just terrific actor, yeah. and you know, I mean. The one thing that MCU has done really well is get these veteran, terrific actors to kind of play uh, bit parts to kind of like build up some of the younger cast and yeah. the inexperienced cast. And not necessarily, ne- not necessarily saying Chris Hemsworth did a poor job, but uh, Anthony Hopkins is just on another level yeah. of acting. And there's very few people in this world that can act as good as him. And yeah, he. He's a full display in this movie. Definitely. And this is kind of the last time, too, we see that chain link. We see it a bit at the end. He's always sleeveless. Who, uh, Thor? Thor, going forward in the next movies. Is I think part, part two, he oh, has he it back it? again. In oh, the okay. Avengers, it's it's yeah. armless and or sleeveless. And then Thor 2, it's back again. And then it's gone again. Back. Weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It depends yeah. on what his biceps are looking like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did he do his curls that morning or not? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think he looks more jacked in this movie than in Avengers. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah. He's huge in this movie. Yeah. But he doesn't like look this jacked in Avengers, which is weird because Avengers came out like the next year. Maybe, I don't know if he was... But he, this movie could have been shot far, far before. I mean, I mean even Chris Evans, like he's huge in um, yeah. the first Avenger. And then after, he's pretty much in the costume the whole time and you don't really see... No, Except I, when he's like I, carrying I feel a helicopter. Like, I feel like yeah. to some degree these guys 
get jacked up for a scene and then this workout has got to drop off like oh you you're can't be doing two three a days to get your biceps to look like that yeah if not injecting something well, but. that's what uh he or no not Heath Ledger Hugh Jackman that's the reason why he stopped playing Wolverine it's like I can't you know he's like 50 years old now he's like I can't maintain this physique no. all all the year round no and it's just impossible nuts all you're eating is chicken and Desolata. egg whites yeah it's the 300 effect yeah I exactly mean, be- before seriously before that movie if you look at some of the superhero films i mean they weren't as big but the actors weren't as big you look at michael keaton as batman yeah. christopher yeah. reese is a big guy but he's no henry cavill no no not even close yeah he has a mountain of a man. i mean so like i it's i don't know it seems like that's the way it's gone it's like you could you could have got away with it 20 years ago having a thor that's just kind of like yeah, he's like a pretty, you know, impressive physical specimen, yeah. but Chris Hemsworth is like he doesn't even look like the same species. Like he's just <laughs> massive. And it doesn't help that um Jane Foster is like tiny. So yeah. when they put her beside him at that scene, yeah. it's like this is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well they really try hard to translate the actual comic book look yes. of these characters onto film. Yes. And you can only do so much with a human. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of the comic book, yeah, I mean, there's pretty ridiculous portions. Like, with Hulk, you can CGI it up. Yeah. But, like, someone like Juggernaut, like, when they got, what's his name? He wore a bodysuit for that. And he looked awful. Yeah. <laughs> or Bane with yeah. the, uh, the, the guy veins. was pretty jacked. Yeah, yeah, the veins from Batman and Robin. Yeah. Superhero bodies brought to you by the Nerd yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we were at a junction point in this movie. We have an unworthy Thor, and he is now on Earth. And for me, this is when the movie starts to slow down a bit too much. We've we've had a pretty breakneck pace for the first 30 minutes here. We've established everything here. And we come now down to New Mexico. And this movie comes to a grinding halt. One thing that I wanted to ask you guys. Why does Chris Hemsworth's face look so weird? Yes. Yeah, like <laughs> his, right? his, like his bleach eyebrows, yeah, and yeah. his, his goatee, his beard is—it's everything's like bleach blonde. I'm his pretty face sure he's wearing puffy. a wig as well. It's it's weird. It's yeah, because I was looking at, I was like, why does he look? He's like wearing <laughs> prosthesis. Like, what is going on here? He's unworthy of the eyebrow. <laughs> I guess they tried to just make him look so blonde. It was silly. Yeah, it, it just looked ridiculous, especially when he hit Earth. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> speaking of silly, was it just me or did that whole New Mexico town look like a really poor set? Is a horrible set. Like it, it looks, looks so small. The, 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 that's yeah. the problem with this Earth sequence is yeah. that you go from this massive, expansive Asgard, and they spent so much time explaining to you how big the cosmos is, how big Asgard is. Yeah. We've got these characters with these flamboyant costumes on. Everything is on ridiculous scale, and then we shoot back down to a 25-person town yeah. in the middle of New Mexico. It's like yeah. one street. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I don't it, it, with like a seven eleven that gets blown up. <laughs> the scale change is way too dramatic yeah. for this movie. And that's that's what makes it feel so small now. And I don't like that. No. Like I like I like the big feeling Thor. Like this was established as a different type of movie, and now we're into the smallest MCU movie setting that we ever get. Yeah. Period. It, it's tiny. Yeah. Like it's like smaller than I can't even think of like a small town. Right it's now. a bad set. It's it's it just looks not fake. It, it looks yeah. so fake. Yeah. Like it totally looks like they just ran out of money and they said, "Okay, slap." Like, you could totally tell 
those buildings just have like a storefront on. Yeah. yeah. Like there's nothing behind there. And those more of an extras. That's just like the crew of the film. Yeah. Half the time walking through the set. <laughs> uh, can you pretend to lift a hammer up, Bob? Oh, sure. Why not? <laughs> that was a fun scene. Yeah. That's the music. That scene. Yeah. 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 As soon as he actually touches down, the first like five minutes on Earth is actually kind of funny just to see Asgard, uh, Thor, just out yeah. of place. Yeah. This this whole fish out of water yeah. thing they do for a while. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. He drinks like when, the coffee. Yeah. It smashes yeah. on the ground. Yeah. And he goes looking for the horse and he gets hit right. by a couple cars yeah and then that whole sequence in the hospital where he's beating guys up oh yeah and then he's like you can't do anything to the mighty and then they kind of drug him and <laughs> yeah you see that too when darcy and them first meet him and they tase him yeah it's an ongoing like, theme with him for a little yeah, bit i like, like that. i really like that like yeah. they played that really well and it wasn't overdone mm-hmm. it didn't feel like okay i know that he's a fish out of water right and i know this is gonna happen they played that off really well so that's what I was wondering with him being unworthy. I guess we'd have to say he's unworthy at this point from uh, Odin. Yeah. So does the hammer give him like that full strength? Like he still has the strength of a god somewhat. Like he's, they don't really that's go a into that. Bit confusing yeah. because yeah. when he's in the hospital and he beats the crap at all the security guards, he's got an incredible amount of strength there. Like I know he's yeah. a big dude. But he's whipping those guys around. But then when he's fighting all the guys in S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. he has issues with them. Yeah. yeah. And so there's a bit of inconsistency there. And I don't understand if it's a hammer that gives him power or if it's... It should be the fact that he's as guardian, right? right. That's that's right. what gives him the ability to be strong and live forever and these type of things. It has exactly. nothing to do with the hammer. Right. So I really don't know what the deal is with that. Like what his powers are. And he, he calls himself a mortal and he needs sustenance and all these type of things, right? Right. But at the same time, he still has some lingering powers. Yeah, it's that's what I was wondering. It's strange. Yeah. 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 It's not consistent, that's for sure. Right. Um, now, now, the humans that he does run into, this is Darcy Jane Foster, which is a very well-established character in the Thor mythos, as well as Eric Zelvig. This is a character, again, I don't, I, I, I'm pretty sure that he is a new character. He's now in the comic books. He's actually in the, the new Captain America books. Eric Selvig. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of the guy that's helping him on the side. Yes. The whole dynamic between the four of them, I think at least in this early scenes, is pretty good. Darcy is held way back right. from when we Scale get down, in, yeah. in Dark World. And I think her quips are quite funny too. Yeah. They land right. Eric Zelvig is another nice presence still in Skarsgård. Yeah. I, he's a great actor. I like him in here. He acts as kind of this this bridge between the mythology and the science. I really like that. They, they leveraged his Scandinavian heritage into this movie. I think that was a really cool way to give an audience perspective of what's going on as far as the believability of these gods and, and legends and all this. And right. So he brought that because he says at one point that he grew up with these stories. Yes. And it's kind of cool that they use that and leverage that into this film. But overall, did you think that the human characters that played alongside Thor benefited this movie? Or could you have done with less of them and maybe something else, some other element added into this movie? Um, like, I'm going to just go with Jane Foster. I thought for me, like, Natalie Portman's a terrific actress. Like, Black Swan, terrific movie. She's even in Star Wars. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But uh, go. this uh, this performance, she felt like like a teenage girl that was like love struck the whole time, like no depth whatsoever. No, that was yeah. She just like has a smile on her face. She's like, like she was just like twirling her hair pretty much, like Valley Girl. I'm like, you're supposed to be like one of the foremost scientists. Yes. In the world, and here you are just like fawning over Thor, like just like I don't know, like it, it to me. It was it was not miscast but misdirected. Yeah, misridden, misdirected. Yeah, missed opportunity. 
Yeah, like I, I hear you a hundred percent there. Like especially the fact that she's supposed to be this this amazing scientist. Yeah. But she's just in awe of Thor the whole time, yeah. and it does such disservice to this character. I don't know exactly what you do with this character. Like, yes, you have to establish it as kind of this love interest, but maybe you don't do that directly in this movie. Like the chemistry, I don't think was ever there (laughs) i never got anything between the two of them and you're right she is just wide-eyed ogling over thor the whole time (laughs) she doesn't have any value this this whole movie (laughs) and like they establish her up front as like you said she's the one investigating was revealed to be the bifrost and like and then that all goes away because she's too busy looking at thor (laughs) yeah i i think you know it's funny um at first, when they uh, had her connection with Thor, it didn't bother me. I felt like it was kind of subtle for at one point. It was the end when I was just like, wait, where did this this Valley Girl character come from? Because at the end, she was just like goo-goo over this guy. Like, yeah. She just went crazy. I was like, where did this come from? I think it would have been better if Thor was chasing her constantly. Just yeah. being arrogant, just being like, I, I want this girl, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. eventually getting, you know, like that, that would have worked, worked for me more yeah. so when she was kind of more of like the pepper kind yeah. of character, kind of being like just a little more strong-willed and focused on her books as opposed to her just being like, I don't know, legally blonde or whatever. I just think that, that was, that was hey, kind that's of... that's a great film, Troy. <laughs> the first one. Yeah. First one <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, Jane Foster was a missed opportunity. And Natalie Portman's an incredible actress. She I mean, is. I watched her in Jackie this year and she, she killed that role. So it's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I really don't know what else you could have done. Yeah. There. Like, I, I like this idea of, of leveraging a bit more on the arrogance of Thor. Like, mm-hmm. I can have any woman I want. Yes. Smash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, terribly misused. Right, yeah. and I it, there's they could have done so much with this, and being that this is a character that's straight of the comic books, mm-hmm. and now she's Lady Thor or Thor, yeah. right? Yeah, um, right. So yeah, I just wish I, I maybe I was a little harsh there, but I, I I like some of the early stuff when she keeps hitting him with the car, yeah, and they do have some fun interaction early on. Mm-hmm. But even when he's explaining to her about magic and science are one and the same thing, she just really <laughs> yeah oh my campfire. god yeah, yeah. yeah right. there's none of this about her trying to be like oh well this is how we see things and kind of explaining it from a scientific perspective yeah it's just like oh my god you're drawing a tree on this book and this is amazing yeah, yeah. i'm gonna fall asleep on this roof it's probably freezing ass cold out. like i just didn't like any of that like it never really got me into the character like yeah. i think that took away from the movie where you could have spent more time with Loki or Thor doing something else with Odin and we spent all this time establishing the fact that she loves him so much yeah. and yeah. you spend no time with Thor being like I actually kind of like her yeah. like it's kind of just him kind of smirking and being like yeah you know I'm Thor yeah. <laughs> like, really, like, there's, there's no substance there yeah, like it's, it's never yeah. earned that end kiss or this love this this yearning that he has after he destroys the Bifrost right. like that's never earned about like his relationship with her and the fact that he's just enamored with her the same way she is with him. Yeah. Like I never, ever get that. Yeah. They, they totally just threw in a love interest just to, just to have a love interest, even though there are something in the comic, but here they really just threw it in there, not knowing what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. No. And like, again, it's another weak point because you yeah. look at what they did in Iron Man 1 with Pepper Potts. Oh, it's perfect. It was, it was executed awesome. Yeah. And when they went into the realm of love interest in Iron Man 2, that's when I felt their chemistry fell apart. Right. Right. And then you look at what's your name from Incredible Hulk too. Oh, Betty. Betty, yeah. yeah. Another missed opportunity yep. there to have a, a like a very strong female character. Mm-hmm. 
that could have factored into the end in some way other than being the reason that he's kind of upset at the end. Yeah. Like I, I just, they, they've kind of fixed some of it now and they've kind of shoot her off. Yes. Oh, yeah. They, they have and, it. And going into the, to Ragnarok, they've got Tessa Thompson and That's right. she looks like she's going to be badass. Oh, it's Valkyrie. Yeah. And, and the fact that they had Jimmy Alexander's Lady Sif in there too, yeah. they could have used that character because right. she was a kick-ass character she as was. well. Yeah. But yeah. just again, like I said, horribly underused. Yeah. You know what? They did it right just like uh, Cap because it's still the best MCU trilogy there. He doesn't have a love interest and it works. Well, well he does. Uh, Sharon. There, yeah. There's Sharon and, and there's Peggy. Peggy. But, but it's, they're both badass. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it works. And then in Winter Soldier, he doesn't have one. No. Really. So, yeah. Is that Civil War or Winter Soldier? It's the Civil War when he finally kisses. Oh yeah, yeah. And his buddies in the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> that was well executed. Oh, it's perfect. And that was earned. Yeah, and it's anticipated. There's a built up yes. that moment, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, enough <laughs> talking about love interests in the MCU. We kind of went on a bit of a rant there. Yeah. <laughs> but as we go into this New Mexico scene, we also get Coulson returning. This is an extremely welcomed appearance by Coulson here. This is the connective tissue throughout the entirety of phase one is S.H.I.E.L.D., Coulson, and Nick Fury. Right. I just love the fact that they use him, that Sitwell, this is his first appearance as well. This is a great way to leverage characters and to put things in to build a cohesive universe. This is how you do it. With characters like this, you don't need to have Tony Stark swooping in here at the end and saving the day. Yeah. Having characters like Coulson and S.H.I.E.L.D. just popping up and saying, look, this is part of this also. Let's remember Iron Man 2. Let's yes. remember what we're trying to build here. And this does an excellent job throughout this whole movie. It is all organic and it doesn't feel like it's out of place at all, I don't think, in any of this. No, it makes a lot of sense. And the, the crazy thing is, because I would have never catched this until I revisited it for this retrospective series, is that other S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who's in Winter Soldier. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? I had no idea who's in this movie. Yeah. He shows up. Yeah. Winter Soldier. He yeah. shows up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. Oh, he's on the TV series. Yeah. And oh. he's also in that, that short, The Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Thor's Hammer. Okay. With Agent Coulson. Oh no, that's just Coulson. It's the um, the consultant. He's the one at the table with Coulson when they're talking about uh, when they kind of they retcon that whole Tony Stark end credit scene in Incredible Hulk. There's a there's a, a Marvel one shot called The Consultant. Okay. Sitwell and Coulson are in that as well. That's crazy. Yeah, I had no idea he's in this film. So yeah. when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's that's deep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, crazy. Cool. Yeah. And one little Easter egg in here that I have always loved is the Dr. Donald Blake. Oh, I That's love that. That's right, yeah. Yes. So they, they do this twice with a name tag, and yep. then they also use it later as his fake ID. Mm -hmm. And this is directly to the comic books. Like, you go back to the original Thor, which, funny enough, after seeing and understanding what was going on in the MCU a bit, I went straight to Avengers, and then the next book I picked up was Thor. Nice. So I started reading this and I was like, oh my God, this is nothing like the movie. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> yeah. he had like that split personality of some sort, wasn't it? Like, so, so how did that work again? What originally it was, was that it, this was later retconned, I think Thor 159. Mm -hmm. okay. But what it actually is, is that he's this Dr. Donald Blake and mm -hmm. he wanders into this cave after seeing these, these rock monsters from Saturn planning some sort of what? alien. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> alien invasion. He finds this cane and he gets upset and he smashes the cane into a rock and then it turns into the hammer. And then he walks out of the cave and he looks like Thor. So, what? Yeah, it's, it's, I might not be doing it justice there, but it's friggin' weird. But they later retcon this as what we see in the movie basically is that Dr. Donald Blake 
is actually Thor Ogunson. That's what I thought, yeah. And he was banished by Odin. Odin down to Earth and made a doctor so he helps people. Right. But he took on this kind of split personality type thing and, yeah. and he kind of had to find his way to the hammer and Odin kind of had set the path forward for him so that he would eventually find it and learn humility and, and become worthy again. So it's kind right. of like this, okay. but they later, they retconned it because the first, it was, and he had to hold the hammer or if he didn't hold the hammer for so long, he turned back to Donald Blake, which was, he was kind of a bit of a cripple. Yeah. And so there's different things where he loses the hammer and he turns back to Donald Blake in the middle of a fight. So it's it's a lot of, of weird it's 1962, like 63 type kind of complicated. So in the original, though, he was like that Donald Blake. Don, Dr. Donald Blake, yeah. Well. So it was, yeah, like I said, it was retcon later. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's strange. It was a nice nod in here to the original yeah. comic book series. And yeah, man. <laughs> Really weird origin. I'm glad I didn't go down that route. <laughs> we should have tried it. It would have been fun. Yeah. Something yeah. different, Here, right? wear this trench coat. This lab coat. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to get your guys' opinions on here was um, in, in Iron Man 2, we talked a bit about the editing. It jumped around from story to story back and forth here. And it's really at this point where we start bouncing between Asgard and New Mexico. And the one thing that I really liked about how they edited this film was that they spent quite a bit of time in each location before they jumped. We got almost like the closure of it of a mini arc in each setting. It wasn't kind of Loki here and then, oh, we're back in New Mexico and they're back and forth, back and forth. This seemingly took the time to do five minute sequences before it jumped. Did you guys kind of feel that? Or did you feel the movie was still a bit disjointed with the editing? No, the editing never really took me out of the film. Uh, one thing to do with the camera, though, that took me out of this film were these angle shots. You notice a couple times the camera kept kind of yeah. turning. And I was like, in theaters, it works really well on the big screen. Because I've never seen it in theaters. Like, yeah, this looks pretty cool. But then watching it at home, and I was like, why do they keep doing that? Like, there's scenes <laughs> when they're on, like, the um, the rooftop sitting there. And it's going like this or a yeah. close-up. And just the camera, like, right now, you guys can't see me but my hands are moving side <laughs> to side. But um, it's, it's just a really weird angle that took me out. But the editing actually was much better in this than yes. it was for Iron Man 2, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, it never took me out of the film no. at all. Like, I always felt like, okay, this is a, an appropriate time to move on because we seemingly have come to the conclusion of whatever kind of mini story they're telling here. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of jump to Asgard and we jump back and we're in the next logical place in New Mexico or Asgard or whatever. Or a corridor. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the orange filter. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as we shift back to Asgard, kind of jumping back and forth, we start to tell a lot of Loki's story. And again, I had mentioned this earlier. This is what I really like is that we spend time learning and developing Loki as well as Thor in New Mexico. And we see these characters individually develop and then they eventually come back together. But we get kind of this, this whole scene with Odin and Loki where Odin reveals to Loki about who he actually is. And then we had Odin collapsing, going into the Allfather's sleep and Loki taking the throne here after having a very emotional discussion with his father. And this is where I think that Hiddleston, again, is absolutely fantastic. He continues to make me feel sorry for him. Yeah. While at the same time executing this plan. Like, it is just so well done. And I don't think I ever really appreciated how good this character is in this movie until watching it this this with these kind of retrospective goggles yeah. on. 
Yeah, his acting again. He steals the show. You know, again to show the fact that this actor is going toe to toe with Anthony Hopkins on screen, and some parts outperforming him. Like it, that's that's crazy. Uh, he has a little bit of a yelling match going on there, but he he held it down. He, just fantastic that scene. It's a little weird when Anthony Hopkins kind of like falls to his knees. I was kind of yeah. like, wait, what's what's, what's yeah, going what's on? Why, why is he doing? Get up! Yeah. But um, for the most part, he's great. Yeah. yeah, and I had no idea. Like he's like he's in his winter sleep or something. Odin sleep. Odin sleep. Odin. I'm like, yeah. what the hell is that? They don't even explain it. They're just like he's in his Odin sleep. Okay, yeah. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Like, yeah, not all of us are versed in Norse mythology. <laughs> like it's not like something common. Like oh, he just went to sleep for the yeah, night. Yeah, like okay, yeah. like yeah. Odin he's, sleep. He's probably gonna wake up later, right? Yeah, <laughs> he'll wake up in eight hours. Like yeah. leave him alone. I, I think it was. A, it's a basically a plot device. I think to remove Odin from the story. Yeah. Um, you don't want to have Loki take him out because Loki is, is behind the scenes trying to make it look like he saved the day and he's the worthy one for the throne as opposed to just going out and stabbing Odin like he probably eventually does later on. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, it, yeah, it's just it's just a way to remove Odin from the movie without having anything bigger happen because he's basically whenever they're in trouble, he comes to the rescue, right? Yeah. And if it's like Professor X, you got to right. get rid of him at some yeah. point here. It's powerful. Yeah, because you're just not going to have a movie that makes any sense when you can just say, well, why didn't Odin just fix this or, yeah. or do this, whatever, right? right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's an appropriate move to remove him from the story for now. And it allows Loki to develop quite a bit more throughout all this. Yeah. And as we as the movie shifts now back to, to Earth, I know this sounds like we're jumping around a lot more. It's a lot better in the movie. Uh, we get we get another fight scene, and this one thing that this movie really lacked was big fight sequences. Um, for a movie with Thor, with all these powers, with this hammer, he spends very little time using those. We saw at the very start a very short fight sequence with the frost giants, and now here we get basically a man on man fist-to-fist kind of battle as he's running through this shield facility which you don't want it's it's all right like it's nothing fantastic you don't get to see the display of the powers like you do in other marvel movies like you see what hulk can do you see what iron man can do this is just hemsworth beating the crap out of people yeah yeah cage match yeah Yeah. you don't get a lot out of this i don't think other than the cameo of hawkeye here right which i think is great anything no he doesn't he's just there yeah and you know what like Black Widow isn't really explained in Iron Man, but you yeah. get a lot more depth to that character. This is kind of a blink and you'll miss it cameo. If you don't know who Hawkeye is, you're yeah. thinking, why'd the guy grab a bow and arrow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where's just, the sniper rifle? Yeah, just yeah. grab the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Like they don't really ever establish much with Hawkeye. And you get him kind of in the first scene of Avengers, so you know who this character is. Yeah. But realistically, he's up in this dark bucket. I don't know if there's enough there. Like they could have spent a little bit more time even in the shield facility with Clint Barton and acknowledging a bit more who the character is yes. and then him running out and grabbing the bone. That maybe that would have made a bit more sense to just that have him show up and have a talking line with Sitwell with Colson and have him established as a shield agent. Yeah. And then when he shows up in Avengers you're like, "Oh yeah, there's the guy from Thor." Right. But right now right. you're kind of a bit confused, I think. Yeah, you know, it's funny cuz I could never really separate myself from I guess the character because I've always known you know going into this movie that's that's Hawkeye so I'm just waiting yeah. for the scene when he shows up but you know you bring up a good point if, for the general audience you're probably like what like okay you got top agents here the guy grabs mm-hmm. a bow and arrow to take out Thor this is yeah. weird so you, you're right yeah they, they, I really do like actually what you pitched there because they should have explained this character a little bit you know yeah. just a little bit of background 
just they, a little they, just yeah and just a small little quip in here about yeah. him not liking guns i don't like guns yeah yeah right uh, i use another weapon yeah, yeah. and exactly. th- they could have okay this makes a bit more sense and right. i know what they're trying to do here but the fact that they spent so much time establishing black widow and iron man yeah. 2 they could have even removed sitwell like he didn't yeah, I guess it's kind of cool that he shows up later on in the the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. But you could have used him as kind of one of the lead agents there to go with Coulson there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, just a little nitpick. Mm-hmm. I thought like <laughs> being that he is Hawkeye and he's yeah. a big important piece of the Avengers puzzle, <laughs> right. I think they would have given him a bit more screen time for yeah. sure. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. But th- this is the, this is the scene where we get Hemsworth pulling on this this hammer. And we, I know we've spent a lot of time talking about his physique, but I'm going to talk about it one more time here. Because holy shit, his biceps are big. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Crazy. Yeah, like it's, with all the rain coming down and stuff, like... Yeah. It was, you know, I was like, oh, you know, Hemsworth, like, what are you doing this weekend? Is oh, your big biceps, you know, can I, uh, can you protect me, your big, strong, manly arms over there? Like, they literally look like great, like, redwood trees. Like, it's insane, like... He's like the gun show. Like he wins the bicep award of, you know, he's entering the bicep hall of fame. You know what? Uh, get, getting off of biceps there a little bit, but uh, you know what the cool <laughs> thing is about, about this scene is it adds a little bit more weight to Age Voltron when you get the scene of all the Avengers trying yeah. to pull this thing, and you know the homeboy there, uh, Captain America, makes it move a little bit, right? Yeah. Which is cool. So you know, looking at that scene and just seeing how hard it is to lift this thing, and, and Cap gets a little wiggle there. I just thought it was kind of cool. But this is the scene where I really get sword in the stone. Yeah, right. Like, this is exactly this, right? Yeah. For sure. Like, everyone's, and even from the, the, the scene in the crater, like, everyone's pulling on this. Oh, no yeah. one's worthy. No. This is exactly sword in the stone. <laughs> but this is, I think, the point in the movie where we get two of the more crucial scenes for both Thor and Loki. This is where Thor finally learns a bit of humility. He is still the arrogant man walking up to this hammer when he's unable to lift this his spirits are absolutely broken and then we get a scene here with loki visiting him in the cell that he kind of beats on him a little more and manipulates him a little bit more by telling him that odin is dead and that it's his fault basically Mm -hmm. and that he can't come back home this is when thor starts to really change and even loki here this is when we start to see the true loki come out and you start to see the grin on Tom Hiddleston's face has become so iconic yes. for this Loki character. And as we move through the movie a bit here, we get into what I'm calling the, the two crucial scenes. We get the bar scene. This is the first time that we see Thor showing a bit of humility and regret for what he's done in the past. And this is, I think, where you get that flip change in Hemsworth acting, where he goes from this arrogant son of a bitch yeah. to yeah. this very humble Thor that we get in every single movie going forward. Yeah. yeah. He just flips the switch. And I don't know what it is, but it's it's there. It's in this scene that you see the 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 change. Yeah. And then the following scene with Loki when he goes to Jotunheim to propose to bring in the frost giants to kill Odin. This is again where you finally see the Loki we get in Avengers. It's another scene where again, it's like a an, another light switch goes off and all of a sudden we've gone from this very sympathetic character to this very evil, well-developed villain and it's just all of a sudden they're both there almost at the same time. This is really well executed and one of my favorite parts of the movie as far as character development. Yeah, no, it's it's some good stuff there. You know, going a little back there, you know, it's it's funny what they do with um Loki coming down and giving um thor the whole guilt trip it's it's kind of a little bit of a lion king you know yeah if you you look at loki he's kind of playing the uh scar the jeremy irons role there right manipulating uh simba 
uh, Thor. So it's pretty cool. But you're yeah, you're right. Two big points here going on with uh, Thor's character progressing, and then we also get uh, Loki obviously changing too. So yeah, I, I really like what they uh, they did here. It would have been kind of cool. I mean, I know you couldn't do it with this movie because you only have so much time. But if you got a sense of Thor kind of giving up then and just trying to plant his roots on Earth and and kind of find a home here where Loki starts running Asgard, then he runs into hell, and then somebody comes back, like, let's say, the, the Warriors of Three are like, hey, you gotta come back, we need you back here, and he's kind of like, no, well, I got a family here, I'm kind of cool, and... Hakuna Matata. Yeah, there you go, Lion King. <laughs> yeah. Store. Yeah, what'd you, what'd you think of all this? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I have to agree. I mean, they do kind of do this scene again in Avengers, and I'm not sure in Thor The Dark World if they use it again, where it's like one person's in prison and, Thor, and uh, Loki kind of tricks his way out of it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, like, overused, but, like, at the time, yeah, like, you know, you kind of see, okay, and at first, you're like, is Odin actually dead or not? You know, you're like, you're like I don't even know, like, what, what's the, what's uh, Loki's motivation here? Right, because they didn't really explain the Odin sleep. Right, yeah. okay, so, yeah, I could see so why at you first, think that. I first saw it, I was like, well, maybe he's still alive, yeah. or maybe he's dead. He and is then, dead, okay. But, yeah, no, uh... Yeah, like in he's this he's scene, tired. and right through yeah. this, yeah, he's just very tired. <laughs> he's just really going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but this this whole thing, this whole scene is is meant to establish that Loki has been manipulating Thor the whole time. Yes, and this is done really, really, really well. And as we go through this 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 film, as we move into what can be called, I guess, the final big action sequence, <laughs> if you want to call it that, <laughs> um, the, the Warriors three show up in this New Mexico town. And they tell Thor that, you know, you're not the one responsible for your father's death. He's actually still alive, just in the Odin sleep. And Loki has now taken the throne. And then we get Loki sending the Destroyer down to Earth. And I know I'm kind of whipping through some of this stuff, but we've kind of gone through a lot of yeah. some of the elements here already. And this Destroyer, he, he, he was established in Odin's vault. We knew what he could do. And the best part about this this destroyer when it lands on Earth is the quip we get from Coulson about this being oh, yeah. one of Stark's. Oh, he never yeah. tells me anything. Yeah. yeah. After that, I'm kind of lost. We yeah. go from, like I said before, massive big sets and all this, and then we end up with a very, very small fight sequence at the end here. The Warriors 3 get their asses kicked, <laughs> yeah. and Thor quickly makes a sacrifice. Now, this is all part of the hero's journey, yeah. right? He's come to the conclusion here that the best thing he can do is sacrifice himself for the people in this town. And what did you guys I can tell by the laughter <laughs> that you have about the same opinion here as me is that this whole scene does not justify what they build in the first 30 minutes of this movie, which I think were the best 30 minutes in the movie. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. This is this is a pretty bad uh, fight scene. This is probably on par. This is probably worse than Rocky Five. You know when he fights Tommy Guns oh, in the yeah. street. the street. Yeah. Yeah. This this is this is bad. It was it's so quick. You just didn't care. And again, you know this fight scene takes place on that horrible set in New Mexico. Right. Between Thor and the Destroyer, and uh, nothing was working for me. And again, you know the, the Warriors Three show up there, and they just they're they're done nothing was really working i just felt like they're like okay wrap up the film let's throw the story here let's see what happens make it work yeah i didn't like it i agree i agree yeah. it's just so quick yeah there's yeah. no like emotion to it yeah and then he's just like so quick to like sacrifice himself yeah you're just like you, you 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 like you have iron man and you have hulk and you have you know shield and the army and you're just like ah just kill me they, yeah. they needed to do that for the story like but i think it could have been executed better yeah and the fact that 
like he just he dies from just a bitch slap like, yeah. <laughs> yeah like he got well, his ass kicked yeah <laughs> like, I, I mean if he's like defending the warriors three say like the destroyer like shot a beam and, and he, he like, took that beam yeah. you know or something yeah, it was just the, yeah. the fact that he just walked up and said all right i'm slap here me. yeah like there's there's he's nothing like, to stop that. it and then yeah. he just gets hit yeah like the batman robin slap slap her around the world yeah that was not great and like he gives like the speech and then like loki like doesn't even like do anything and he's just like i don't know like just kill him yeah, yeah it, it just felt so out of place yes and even once he becomes thor again like i like when he shoots his hand up that's kind of cool yeah but even the, the fight where he kind of whips him up into the sky and <laughs> that's it it just was it's like okay and then they're yeah it's <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that because you don't really get much there. No. Like, and then we end up back on Azra, and I think this is where the movie picks up again mm-hmm. a bit. And this is where, again, it, it shows that the best parts of this movie are when it's in Asgard. Yeah. Because we get Thor showing back up, and we see the the conclusion, or what Loki feels is the conclusion of his plan by bringing in Laufey to kill Odin so that he doesn't have to do it. He eventually saves him. And this is about bringing Loki to the throne in what he sees as a fit way. Mm-hmm. And this this whole fight sequence at the end with Thor, with Loki, there's a lot of emotion here. There's a lot of stakes here. And it looks pretty cool when he starts destroying the Bifrost. Right. This, again, I think where I, I lose this whole thing with him and Jane Foster is when Loki's screaming at him, you'll never see her again. He yeah. should be like... I've known her for about eight hours. Yeah. You mean you so, want me to like save like an entire race of people or yeah. this woman that I just met? Yeah. yeah. So that was that was never earned there for me, but there's yep. some cool scenes in there with Heimdall yep. and Thor putting the hammer on his chest. That was cool. That was cool. It's yeah. pretty yeah. cool. It was a neat way to like defeat him. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really like this. This for me is it's something that you, you can kind of take away some of the New Mexico stuff here, the unworthy right. stuff, and jam together some of the Asgard scenes here. And this really makes the movie feel a lot better for me. Um, if the movie had ended with him just oh. defeating the Destroyer, and we'll, we'll return next week, and we'll have <laughs> Thor go up in Thor the Dark World and save the, the realm from Loki, that would have really ended this well, franchise, I think. Horrible. Yeah, that would have been horrible. But horrible. ending yeah. here with, with Thor, Odin, and Loki... Yes all in the Bifrost after it's been destroyed. Great. I love the look of the realms from there. And we have Loki committing suicide or killing himself to some degree um, and dropping off into the cosmos. This whole end sequence, really well executed. I think this topped the movie off in the perfect way. Maybe not so much a perfect way, but in an uh, appropriate way (laughs) that it gave us what we wanted out of the Thor-Loki fight. And it kind of established going forward what we're probably going to see as far as a movie for the follow-on sequel. Yeah, and and such a good, um, well, not the best, but I mean an appropriate um, after credit scene. Yes, you know, so for anybody anybody at the time watched this movie saw Loki do what he did at the end. If you didn't watch the last after credit scene, you kind of you know screwed yourself there because yeah. it's pretty important to watch that bit, and that goes right into Avengers. Obviously, it does, right? And it, cool. that's such an intriguing after credit scene because we just saw our villain kill himself yeah and yeah. then he's immediately back right yeah. but i think that's pretty cool because loki being a character that people seemingly liked right and it kind of went against the grain with marvel because they in the past three movies they more or less killed their main villains yeah. the villains yeah. we never see again that's right but this immediately says no we're doing something a little bit different here yeah. and we're showing you that no loki's not dead he's actually kind of inhabiting eric zelvig and controlling him and this whole, you know, that's worth a look. Another famous line from 
Loki here. Like mm-hmm. looking at the Tesseract, so this sets up the MacGuffin for not only Captain America, but also the Avengers. It sets up the villain for the Avengers. Right. So yeah. this very condensed scene with Nick Fury does a lot for the foregoing movies. And it connects Thor into Captain America. And we see that in Captain America as well when they talk about the North mythology, when they find the Tesseract. Yes. So there's a lot of connective tissues there between two movies that really have no business being connected. Yep. And and it makes it more comic book accurate because Loki is the villain that brought the Avengers together in the first place. So it's really cool that they did decide to keep Loki around enough to do that. So Exactly. So... All in all, guys, that was an absolutely fantastic discussion. I find it's funny because when I when I write my reviews here, I'm so positive. But when I sit yeah. down and talk about it, I'm, I'm much more negative than I really want to be. Uh, but I have to say, I, I actually really did enjoy this movie. It does have quite a few weaknesses. But overall, it is a very good movie. Yeah. How do you guys feel about this movie as a wrap-up? And do you recommend Thor? Yeah, it's, it's funny. This movie um, feels pretty much the exact same spot where I left it when I saw it in the theaters all that time ago in 2011. It's not a bad movie by any means, but it's definitely at this point in the MC universe, it's it's the weakest of um, Iron Man 1 and 2 and Hulk, in my opinion. But uh, Chris Hemsworth is worth seeing alone. He's so good in this movie. This is probably the best cast movie, actually, we have when it comes down to just pure acting chops. Mm -hmm. It's it's an incredible cast you got going on. It's worth seeing for the story, for sure, because there is a lot of buildup. And this is like a lot of buildup setup done in such a good way. Like it's never hitting you over the head with all the setup, but there's a lot of setup in this film. So going into the MCU, this is definitely a must watch. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's must-watch. Um, you said an interesting point. I would put this actually number two of the first four movies that we've seen. Mm-hmm. I like this more than Iron Man 2 and more than Incredible Hulk. I thought it was just a more complete story. The action wasn't as good. But yeah, I really liked it. And um, I thought they did a pretty good job. And it's my favorite Thor movie so far. So, <laughs> <laughs> so far. What about number two? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll yeah. see in a couple months. <laughs> I'm right there with you guys. I I agree this is a recommend. This is a must-see for any MCU lover. You know, when you look back at this movie, there's a lot of missteps that they could have taken. This was a very difficult movie to integrate into the MCU, integrate into this grounded universe that they had established. And I think they did very well to take this, like you said, Troy, and see a lot of things organically. This, This was executed perfectly as far as development of characters not only the villain, but also the hero. Yeah, This is something that we had not gotten in many MCU films outside of Winter Soldier. You know, they're doing a lot better now developing these characters, developing the villains for something later on. I think we're going to see this in Black Panther as well. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. But yeah, this the visuals were pretty good. I liked the stuff on Asgard. That was the best stuff in this movie. When we moved to this New Mexico stuff, not so much, yep. not so great. But like you said, the casting on point, every actor in here... I want to see in these roles. I want to see more of them yeah. on screen. Even the Warriors 3, give them the right thing to do. They do well with it. Like eating. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, this is, like I said, a must watch for the MCU. I, I don't see any reason to skip this. No. And oh, no. This, this establishes Thor. This establishes a good foundation for this character. And hopefully, you know, we're all, I'm going to acknowledge right now there are missteps in the dark world but hopefully this gives a solid enough foundation that gives us something that we can tie back to in thor ragnarok to give a more holistic and complete story for thor in his trilogy yeah for sure for sure i'll just correct myself there i think i messed up what i said the first time but just to go in my quick order of mcu stuff i put armor number one 
at number one. I'll go Iron Man number two, and then I'll go Thor, and then I'll go Incredible Hulk. Okay. So Incredible Hulk's at the bottom. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd have to put definitely Iron Man up. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. Yeah. Iron yeah. Man one, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I'm kind of, I bounce around between Iron Man two and Thor, yeah. actually, as far as I think if I'm going to say what I would revisit first again, I would probably say Thor, actually. Cool. Yeah. Um, because I, I really like the story. I really like the, what they do here with Loki, as I've yeah. said numerous times. <laughs> and I go Iron Man 2 and then Incredible Hulk. Nice. Uh, I would actually go Iron Man 1, obviously. Yeah. Thor, then Incredible Hulk, and then Iron Man 2. You really yeah. get hate yeah, on you for hate that. that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is it the bird? Yeah. Where's my bird? Where's my yeah. bird? <laughs> yeah, my no, bird? for me, that's the biggest mess, misstep by far. <laughs> There's some bad stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, this concludes our discussion of Thor for our MCU retrospective series. We're going to be coming back at you guys early next month with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So this is going to be our first movie that is slightly out of order. Instead of trying to go back and revisit this further on down the line, we're going to bring you these weekend of release reviews for the new MCU movies as they come out and fit them back into this retrospective series. So it's going to be a bit disjointed next month. It's going to be a combination of our normal Nerd Room episode as well as an MCU retrospective episode at the same time. So it's going to be kind of one in the same there. So next month we're going to be talking Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. That's going to be actually in a couple weeks. And I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to bring some of the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 discussion into that as well before we actually re-review it here in the Nerd Room MCU retrospective series. But all in all, guys, it's been a fantastic discussion. Yes. I always love talking MCU movies. Thor, great movie. Get out there and watch that. Revisit that before going into Thor Ragnarok for sure. Yes. Absolutely. Mirror, mirror. Mirror, mirror. Anyways, guys, for the Nerd Room MCU retrospective series, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. And thank you for something with us. <laughs> thank you for entering my nerd room. Uh, <laughs> I, what do I say at the end here? And thank you for lifting my hammer. Yeah. <laughs> we are all worthy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and thank you for entering my Asgard. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for taking this journey with us. Mew meow. meow. <laughs> this has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim and Troy, on Twitter at TheNerdRM and TroyTheBoy87. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search The Nerd Room Podcast. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find other podcasts on the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Generation X-Wing, Tumbling Saber, Rogue Squadron Podcast, and the Skyhopper Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.